going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to look together in the Gospel of Luke. We're starting a new series, Christmas from Mary's point of view. And so that means, basically, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Luke because the Christmas story is found in Matthew and Luke. And in Luke, it gives Mary's, basically, Christmas from her, her side. Now, because Luke has done that, some people had felt like that Luke may have even had a time where he had interviewed and talked with Mary. Though a lot of people don't think that's possible today. But A.T. Robertson said it's almost like that he had Mary's baby book and was, was sharing with us from that. But I'll tell you this, Luke did. He interviewed different people. And Luke had all kinds of information, and he went through and made sure his information was accurate. And that's how he starts off in Luke chapter 1. He starts off telling you that he went through and he collected eyewitnesses. And by the way, some people question whether we're talking about Dr. Luke, the physician. And Paul called him the beloved physician, by the way, in Colossians 4.4. 4. But here in the beginning of Luke, for example, the word eyewitnesses, the people that he had talked to and he interviewed, it's actually a medical term. It's used from which we get our Greek word autopsy from. Uh, it's somebody that had made an examine and could tell you why somebody had died. And so here he's saying, I've made an examination and telling you why these things are true about Christ. And he goes on to say that he put these things in an orderly fashion, that he basically got all these things together, and he did his research. He went through and he, he backed up and talked to different people to make sure the things that you find in this gospel are true. And on top of that, he had help from above, from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, and being able to give him guidance. And so... That being said, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse uh, 5. We're starting today with Zacharias and Elizabeth. And some people may say, wait a minute, if this is about Mary, why would you start with Zacharias and, and Elizabeth? Well, one of the things, Mary, when the wise men came, when the story about the temple took place, here Luke says she pondered these things in her heart. So Mary, she's provided some guidance this passage. Then we also find that when Mary first heard that she was going to give birth, the angel Gabriel told her her cousin Elizabeth was also. And so Mary went and spent three months with them. And so if Mary was here talking, if you was had a chance to interview her, she'd say, well, you need to start with Zacharias and Elizabeth because their influence and impact on me uh, was tremendous. And so let's pick up there. Verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of the, his division, according to the custom of, his pre, of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were, was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of 
the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. We're skipping down to verse 18, so move with me down to verse 18. It says, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And we're going to have prayer. Lord, would you bless us? Help us, Lord, as we start this season. May you just provide for us the attitude. May you provide for us the wisdom. May you just help each of us to be able to have what we need to be able to make this season honorable and pleasing toward you. And Lord, may it make an impact, not just on our own lives, but on those around us and our families and our communities. And Lord, I just pray your blessings now upon each one, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We just finished Thanksgiving, and uh, it's amazing how some people have a hard time with Thanksgiving. So I, I heard about this lady who had you know, struggling to make ends meet. And so she would set up a table there in a town and she would sell donuts every day. Well, this one businessman, he felt kind of sorry for her. And he thought, you know, how remarkable this lady comes out every day, regardless of the weather, selling these donuts. And so he would walk by her table and he would just put down 50 cents. That's what a donut costs. He'd put down 50 cents, but he wouldn't take a donut. He'd just go on. And he just did that. It was his practice every day. He'd see her, so he'd put his 50 cents down. He set aside the 50 cents, and he just did it day after day. One day, he went by, and he put the 50 cents on the table, and she said to him, she said, hey, I'd like to talk to you a minute. And so he said, oh, you're probably wondering why I always put down 50 cents and don't take a donut. And she said, no, I'm not wondering that. She said, I just wanted to tell you, on Monday, the donuts are going up to a dollar. Some people have a hard time being thankful, being appreciative for what you do. Well, Christmas certainly is a, a, an opportunity for us to remember to be thankful. God has provided for us. And I hope that you practice Thanksgiving not just through November, but as part of Christmas season also, because we've got a lot to be thankful for. And it starts, as we think about Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth, it, it kind of reminds us that Christmas, about God's promise, God's promise to send a Redeemer. His promise that He was going to take action and He's going to fulfill that promise. And Zacharias, his name means Jehovah remembers. See, a lot of people had thought God has forgotten. They had found themselves... They went in bondage through to Babylon and Persia. And now Rome was in charge of this area. Has God forgotten? But Zacharias, his name reminds us, God remembers. And then Elizabeth's name, it means this, the oath of God. So God remembers. He remembers his promises. He remembers his oaths. And he's going to come through. 
And this is the beginning. The beginning of God sending His Redeemer. The beginning of God providing hope. Providing the answers that we need. Isaiah 25.1 says this, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things planned long ago. The things that are happening right here that we're reading about, God had planned long ago, even before creation itself had taken place. And God is faithful in carrying it out. Jeremiah writes this, in lamentations about God's mercy, about His compassions. Here's what he says, they're new every morning. And then he adds this line, Great is thy faithfulness. Reminds me of that song somebody wrote. It says this, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And that's what Christmas reminds us. God is faithful. Zacharias and Elizabeth remind us that God is faithful. Now let's take a look, a closer look at this couple. So as we study the, the scriptures we've read, look with me in verse number 7 again. We read verse 7, and let's just see a couple of things. It says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was bearing, and they were both well advanced in years. So here's the first thing that we see about them. They are older. They're advanced in years. I wonder what that means. Well, we see that they're bearing. They don't have children. And the ideal here is they pass the point of having children. So when we're talking about them being older, it means they're past having children. So that means they're at the age of being grandparents. I stop and think about that. I'm now a grandparent. So that means I could fit into this category of being advanced in age too. So they're past having children. What does that mean? Does that mean they're 40s and they're 50s and they're 60s or, or past that? doesn't say. Some people would think, I've reached a point in my life where I can't change, where there's nothing good that's going to happen. That's how some people feel. But we see that Elizabeth, Zacharias, they were advanced in age. They were also barren. They had no children. Now, back in biblical times, children, unlike today, were thought to be a blessing. That's what the Bible teaches. Children are a blessing from God. It was just like God had placed favor upon you by giving you children. It was a way for you to extend your name, to impact future generations. And so children were considered blessings, not a curse, but they had no children. And that day, if you had no children, then it meant that God had no favor upon you. It was almost like you were cursed. Now the bad thing is, when you're like Zacharias and Elizabeth, you might have people talking about you in the background. Maybe people felt sorry for you. Maybe people just whispered. 
they really, they look like they're a good couple, but something's wrong. Whether it's their sin or somebody else's, something is wrong. And so sometimes they could even hear that. Have you ever been in that situation where you just feel like, you know, there's people talking about me? That's them, Zacharias and Elizabeth. But then in verse 6, it says this about them. They were both righteous. It doesn't say one of them was righteous because sometimes you have a couple and one's righteous, one's not. But here it says both were righteous. What does righteous mean? Righteous means a person that's just basically doing right. You know what the good thing about this couple is? They treated each other right. You can't be righteous if you don't treat each other right. It would be easy if you felt like that God wasn't showing favor upon you to point your finger and say, you're the problem. But they didn't do that. They were righteous. They weren't accusing each other. They were trying to do right by one another. They were righteous. They try to do right, not just among each other, but they try to do right when they were working, when they did business. Some people, you know, are always trying to get the upper hand. They weren't trying to get the upper hand. They were trying to do what's right in all their transactions. They try to do what's right with God. They were righteous people, both. It also says here that they were both Walking in the commandments. They kept the commandments. You know what that means? It makes basically they live by the Ten Commandments or by the commandments of God daily. I remember 25 years ago or something like that, listening to Adrian Rogers one Sunday morning. He was talking about the Ten Commandments and he said, many people are troubled because we don't have the Ten Commandments posted in public buildings. He said, you know what troubles me? Most people in the church don't even have them posted in their homes. And he said, what would happen if I called up the fathers just to come up here and then ask you if you knew the Ten Commandments? I was listening to that and I was like, I'm not sure if I know the Ten Commandments. So I decided that wouldn't happen to me. I would just learn those Ten Commandments. And you know what the Ten Commandments tell us? We should worship God and Him only. Worship Him and Him only. We should not make, number two, we shouldn't make idols and bow down and worship those idols. That's a one that we really do need to hear today because there's, there's many people that have made idols and have put things, those idols, before God. Number three says that we shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. There's many people that do just that today. That use God's name. They, they use it not in the right manner in a sentence. Not to honor God or speaking about God, but they're using it as a byword. God, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I saw, the other, I saw someone some time back that praised the Lord. And they said that all the time. And I began to realize, you know what? They're not really praising the Lord. It's just a phrase they're using. It's using God's name in vain. The fourth one says, keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Make it holy. The fifth one says, honor thy father and mother. The sixth one says, thou shalt not kill. The seventh, thou shalt not commit adultery. The eighth, thou shalt not steal. 
the night thou shalt not bear false witness. And then you shouldn't covet. That's the Ten Commandments. Well, guess what? They knew it. Zacharias and Elizabeth knew the Ten Commandments. And they practiced them. They lived by them. And it's not just the Ten Commandments. Any ordinance of God they wanted to keep. You might say, well, listen, I've already broke some of those. <laughs> Is there any hope for me? Well, Zacharias and Elizabeth weren't perfect. But... When you do mess up, you know what the best thing to do is? Is just seek God then. Ask God to forgive you. Repent of your sin. And find forgiveness. And that's the great thing about Christ. He's come so that you can have forgiveness. You can repent of your sin and you can know that you're forgiven. You can walk in right relationship with God. Don't let it fester. And so, this is a couple that were righteous. They were moral they kept the Ten Commandments. Here's the next thing we see about Zacharias. He's a priest. During this time, there's 18,000 priests. They were divided up into 24 divisions. Each division had about 900 people. And so, in that division, you would be given two weeks at different times. So you'd have one week sometime during the year, and then later on you have another week. So overall, two weeks during the year in which you would work in the temple. So you got 900 people in that division. Then they would just draw through lots, draw names to be able to see who could enter in to the temple area to be able to offer incense. You weren't going in directly to the Holy of Holies, but you were getting right, right next to it, right at the entrance of it. To be able to offer up incense. You know what? Basically, there were some people that never got that opportunity. Even though they were priests, they never got the opportunity. The lot never fell upon them. Some people, it did. And if it happened, many times it was just once a year or once in a lifetime. So, it just so happens that Zacharias, right here, the lot fell upon him in the temple. A once-in-a-lifetime thing. He probably had prayed, Lord, I would just like one time to have this opportunity. It's a special time. It's a lot of responsibility. But I would just like to be blessed with this one time. Have you ever felt that way? God, one time, I would like to accomplish this. You got a bucket list. One time, I'd like to go here. I'd like this to happen to me. Just once. Here it was. It fell upon Zachariah. There would probably be some people that would say, Zacharias, you're an old man. Your time is past. Don't take it. Pass on this and let somebody else have it. Besides that, you and your wife have no children, so you have, you're not in God's favor. Pass on this. Let somebody else have it. You don't deserve it. That's what Satan would say. That's what he tells people today. You don't deserve this. You're no good. Why should God bless you? You, should, you? you don't even deserve to be in His house. And He would just keep coming down with condemnation after condemnation. But the lot did fall upon Zechariah and he wasn't going to pass it. Something he had dreamed of and here it is, his dream is happening. 
he gets a chance to be able to do something that he'd heard other people talk about, that he'd studied about, but now he's going to do it firsthand. He's going to a section of the temple he'd never been. In fact, whenever you went in this section, they tied a, a rope around you and you had bells there in case something happened because nobody else is supposed to be in there with you. Zacharias, the chance to be able to offer up incense. Here's the good thing about the incense. It was related to prayer. In fact, the Bible tells us here why he was in the temple. Outside, there were all kinds of people, multitudes of people praying. And they felt like their prayers would have a better chance of being answered if you're saying them while the incense is being offered. And that's what the incense represented. It's going up to God. And so these prayers are going up. And so really, the whole community is dependent upon you. Let me tell you something about prayer. Christmas, by the way, is a good time to pray. And some people think, oh, there's no need. There's no need. Well, you stick with me because you're, what you're going to find is this. This story right here is going to give you incentive to pray. But can prayers really be answered? I mean, Zacharias, Elizabeth had prayed for years for a child. Nothing had happened. There may be things you're praying about. And it just seems like it's just not happening. Well, I can tell you this. James says this in James chapter 4. You have not because you ask not. Most people think about prayer, but they don't get serious and really pray. And then James goes on and says this. Many people don't have because you're asking with the wrong motives. You're asking for things that are just plain selfish. You're asking God to bless you. You're, maybe you're not even willing to change. You're not seeking to honor Him or to help somebody or to do something that's going to make a difference or an impact. All you're doing is just saying, Lord, I'm selfish and I want these things. Give them to me. James says we don't have sometimes because we ask with the wrong motive. You know what Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. He's there, he talks about husband and wives. He said, you know, your, your relationship with one another impacts your prayer life. If you're not treating your spouse correctly, don't expect your prayers to be answered. It matters to God. Your home life matters to God. Isaiah chapter 59 let me just paraphrase it for you, verse 1 and 2. God says, you know what, my arm, it's not that my arm can't stretch down to make a difference. God says, you know what, it's not that I'm hard of hearing. Let me tell you what the problem is. Sin. And you're not willing to do anything about it. And that sin has come between me and you. That's why I'm not answering your prayers. Paraphrasing Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. You can look it up. So, basically, it's not that God's opposed to prayer. He, he does answer prayer. But what about Zechariah and Elizabeth? This is, this is a great couple. Why wouldn't their prayers answer? You know what? Sometimes God says yes to us. Sometimes He says no. And then sometimes God says just wait. Can you wait? It's hard to wait. This is a world in which we don't want to wait for anything. But God was getting ready to do something special. Here, when Luke says, this is couple was barren, you know what he's getting you to, wanting you to think about? He's wanting you to think about Abraham and Sarah. 
He's wanting you to think about Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel. He's wanting you to think about Hannah. All of them were barren, and there was something special about each of their births. Guess what? God's wanting you to think something special is getting ready to take place here. So Zacharias looked about him and Elizabeth. We looked about him being the priest. Now let's look at this visit from God. Zacharias got this great role. His dream finally coming true. He gets to go to the temple, offer incense. And so he's in there. Now listen, they were very cautious because you sure didn't want to do something wrong. They wanted to make sure that you did everything you were supposed to do. And all of a sudden, he's there offering incense. And get this, now it does. This incense helps to represent prayers. He's offering this incense. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Not just any angel. This is Gabriel. What's so special about Gabriel? Gabriel is in the very presence of God. And he's been sent down as a messenger just for a message for Zacharias. The Bible says here that Zacharias was scared. Well, you can imagine. When Moses was in the presence of God and he came back down, people, all of Israel were afraid. They had to put a veil upon him because his face shone some. It was hard to look at him. You are visiting with someone who's been in the presence of God. They don't have to tell you that. You can tell. And he was visibly shaken by it. Gabriel comes and he says, by the way, he's on the right-hand side, which means he's probably not coming for judgment. And he says, I've just come down to tell you your prayers have been heard. What prayers? The prayers for a child. Well, they'd quit praying about that. They're past the age. That time is over with. Guess what? Prayers are ageless. Just because you prayed long ago doesn't mean God didn't hear and wasn't at work, didn't have plans. Angel says, your prayers have been heard. Well, Zachariah is afraid and he lacks a little faith, and he probably would have been a lot like what I am because I would have stuck my foot in my mouth. And here's what Zachariah says. He said, well, I need a sign. I'm an old man. How could this be? I just need a sign. Think about this. Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I just came from the very presence of God. I'm an angel standing here before you in a place you've never been before and it's not luck. It wasn't by chance that you're here. It was an answer to prayer. This timing is about God, and you need a sign? Not really, huh? But he said, because of your lack of faith, we're going to give you a sign. You're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to say nothing until all this takes place. That's your sign. Well, sure enough, it takes a while to talk, have a conversation with an angel. And so when Zacharias finally comes out, people are kind of worried. And then he can't tell them anything. He can't speak. He's just kind of emotional and tell them they realize something happened in there, but they don't know what. Zacharias goes home. 
sure enough, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And they do have a little boy. By the way, you know what Gabriel said about this little boy? He said, you're getting ready to have a little boy. He's going to be like the prophet Elijah. He's going to make an impact upon this nation. He's going to prepare this nation as a forerunner to Christ. You're not just going to have a little boy. You're going to have a child that's special. That's what all parents want to hear, isn't it? My child is special. Let me tell you something. Your child is special. Created in the very image of God. And you need to be able to take the job, the task with responsibility, pointing that child to Christ because your child can make an eternal difference in this world. Your child can be able to be a difference maker. And let me tell you something, as Christians, God has called us to be difference maker and He equips us to be a difference maker. Every person here should be making a difference in this world, making it better. And with Christ, you can. And He's really the only way that you can. You can be a difference maker. That's what the angel said. That child you're going to have is going to make a difference. So sure enough, Zacharias can't speak. They have the baby. They bring the baby back up for its dedication. Eighth day circumcision and so forth taking place. And then they say to, the, to Elizabeth, what are you going to name the baby? She said, we're going to call him John. And all these people are like, you can't call the baby John. There's no Johns in your family. That doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. They asked Zachariah, what do you think about it? He motions and says, I need something to write with. And he writes, the baby should be called John. Because <laughs> that's what Gabriel had said. John. And as soon as he wrote that, he could speak. God's up to something. Christmas is a time of hope. God is up to something. He's still up to something. He's still working and making a difference. Let me tell you something. If God didn't love you and care for you, we wouldn't have Christmas. Christmas reminds us God does love us and cares for us. Is there hope? You better believe there's hope. Let's have prayer together. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for letting us come to sense your presence and to know that you're at work this morning. Lord, I'm thankful your word never goes out void. And so today, I just ask that you would help us to be obedient as you speak to us. I just ask that you would just take this moment, have your way, help us each to be obedient and faithful. And we ask this in Jesus' name.